Next week, uh, we are doing baptisms, and you are all invited to baptisms. We'd all we'd love for all of you guys to show up. Uh, usually, there's about 250 people that come. Element is going to provide... This is important, people. Element is going to provide tri-tip and bread and drinks, and this is how it's going to work. You... You, if your last name is A through L, you're going to bring a dessert of some sort. Now, I was in the UK visiting some friends, one of our old elders, uh, Jonathan Whitaker, and we were staying at his house, and his wife tells us when they do potlucks there, people show up with like a bowl this big. <laughs> when I say to bring cookies for, or something for a dessert, I know it just comes out cookies, but a dessert, that's like something to share. So when everybody leaves after baptisms, I still have a table full of cookies. That's how, thank you. That's how it's supposed to work. So when you bring it, bring enough for a lot of people, namely me. Uh, but bring a lot. Of, and if your last name is M through Z, you're bringing a side. We were talking about this. Roughage is probably pretty good after eating meat and bread and cookies. So a salad of some sort would be really good to keep you regular the next day. If you can't talk about it in church, where can you talk about it? God made us? Anyway, so. And, no, I'll talk about that next week. Don't worry. I'll remind you not to feed my dog next week. But today, I'm just telling you to bring cookies and salad. Eh. But cookies? And if you have a a salad made of cookies, that would be awesome. By the way. By the way. Uh... Another thing is if you try and if you do version here and you access our internet, about two weeks ago when they were working over there, they ran through the Verizon line, so our DSL is dead right now. We have no internet. Imagine, I, I don't know what, what kind of jobs some of you guys have, but if you went to work, imagine some of you guys not having internet. How does the world function this way? It's, so we... We don't really have internet right now, so if you want the U version, you know, slide your phone to your your, your own data plan. Sorry, <laughs> and and get it that way because our internet is is all cut off. Uh, and then last lastly, Mike, our drummer, he's he's been our drummer since Elements started. He this is his last Sunday with us. I made him mad. He's leaving. No, he is leaving, but not because I made him mad. Uh, he took a job in Colorado Springs. And so he's, uh, he's going to start his job next week. His wife and his, and his son are going to be here while they sell their house and stuff. So he might be back somewhere in the midst of this to visit. But this is really his last Sunday here. So I would encourage you, when you see him at the end of the service, just to walk up and say, Hey, we really appreciated that loud banging on the snare. We really appreciate all the noise that you made. Or you don't, because he is dead to us at this point. So... You think I'm kidding. I'm not. <laughs> no, so uh, it's, it, it'd be nice just to say, you know, thanks for all the time and energy he spent over the last few years, you know, playing drums with us and stuff. And this morning, uh, he also picked all the songs. <laughs> so there's that too. Yeah. If you are newer to Element, uh, there are Bibles in the back and under the seats in front of you. If you don't have one, you can take one, take it home with you. We'd love for you to have it. If you forgot one, you can use one. There are sermon notes on the communion tables throughout the room. They're still a little bit shorter this week as on the one side it'll have all the stuff we've talked about during the book of Acts and the other side is just some notes and questions go a little bit deeper. If you do have a smartphone, you can download this app called Uversion. You click on events in Uversion 
or live and then events, and it will come up by GPS in your smartphone. You will get sermon notes, verses, and questions, and all that goes along with today's message. And hopefully we will have internet back next week. The internet got mad and left us, and we have been calling and saying, please, internet, please come back, because we need you. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. I want you to stand with me, reading of God's word. This is Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would teach us as a people how to live as a blessing to this earth that you have called us into, that we would lift you up in all things so that you would be glorified in all things and that your people in turn would live in great joy, that the focus of what we do would be you understanding how we are sent on mission with and for you. Amen. Have a seat. So right up front, if you are new, you haven't been here before, we have spent the last 35 weeks going through the first half of the book of Acts in an effort to better understand God's call in our life. This is week 36. It is one I put together months after I finished writing my section of the book of Acts. Uh, it, I was working in my yard, listening to my myriad of podcasts like I normally do, and I came across this podcast from Tim Keller from 1994, and it's not that I'm that behind, it's just that that's how his feed kind of comes up, and it got me thinking of the need at the end of book book of Acts to come back and remind you of how we are to live on mission. The whole point of the book of Acts is the glory of God, and we are called to be as witnesses to live on mission. So today is going to be the last of that first half of the book of Acts. I know you thought it was last week, but I wanted to wrap this up. It's kind of like aftershocks of an earthquake. They just kind of keep, well, they keep promising the earthquakes are going to come, and they don't. Watch it happen this week, right? I don't have that much power. Don't worry. Okay, but... It, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be funny. Anyway, uh, but, and, and, and at last week, in the last two weeks, I was kind of curious how Eric and John would finish out chapter 12 of the book of Acts. I listened to them while I was on vacation. I thought they both did an excellent, excellent job. Uh, I, and I have told you repeatedly throughout Acts that Jesus ascended and he sent the Spirit for the purpose that we would be his witnesses, that we would be sent on mission with and for him. We don't understand always everything that he calls us into as part of that mission, but we should always trust him. And so I thought we should move towards this end of the close of the book, kind of hearkening back to the beginning, how we began remembering the context of God's call. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, right before Jesus ascends, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In Acts chapter 2, the Spirit comes, the Spirit empowers them for the purpose to be that witness, just like he still empowers us today to be that witness. Now today's message is going to be the shortest message I think I have ever given at Element. Merry Christmas. It's hot. I know. All right. You're welcome. Um, I I thought it was going to be the shortest one the entire year, but really I think it's the the shortest one I've I've ever given. This is never going to happen again. Just just letting you know that. And again, because it's simply going to be a call to reorient our lives and focus on God's glory and be his witnesses. You may think when I say you're called to be a witness, you may think, well, I, I don't talk too good. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. But you know what you have? 
You have your story. You have what God has done in your life to rescue and redeem you. When we do baptisms, we have people write out their stories because we believe it's important for people to know how to talk about their story, about what God has done. And sometimes when we do that, a lot of people say, oh yeah, I can write my story, it'll be easy. Then they start to sit down to write it and they can't write it out and it gets very confusing and they don't know what to do and they're like, I just won't get baptized. That's not what we want to have happen. We, we actually have a newer way to help you do this if you've kind of been in that spot. Uh, just talk to somebody at the Welcome Center, and we'll get a hold of you because we've got a new way to help you do that a little better. But we want you guys to be able to tell your story because it's part of being God's witness in the world. I mean, the crazy thing is God has sent us, and as weird, as as messed up as we are, to be his ministers in the world. The word minister, it translates as servants. We are all meant to do and be in ministry. Christian ministry, as simply as I can put it, is it's you taking your gifts and resources that God has first blessed you with and meeting the needs of other people in Jesus' name. Ministry is simply serving people. We do this because we glorify God by how we serve others. Now, today in the church, we always like to think this is somebody else's job. It's like, don't we pay a pastor to do that so I don't have to? I'll ask my friend to come with me to church, and he'll, he will tell them about Jesus. And I will, because I like talking about Jesus. But it is also you in your life understand that you are part of that witness. You are the one who is meant to talk about what he has done in you. We, the, the principles that govern my life or the elders' lives or the people in the book of Acts' lives are the same principles that govern your life. We're all meant to be a people, one people of God living on mission. In 1 Peter 2.9, Peter says, You are a chosen race, that you is plural. It's not just the one person that's reading it the first time. It's everybody. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you, plural, you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What that means is we are called to be his witnesses. All of us are called into ministry. When you are called to Christ, when you follow him, you are called to ministry and you are sent to live on mission. This is the pattern of the entire Bible. The first verse we started with talked about this guy named Abraham. The first verse, he becomes the patriarch of the Jewish and the Christian faith. One of the things you learn about his story is the same thing you learn in all these stories throughout the Bible. Is whenever somebody meets God. It's supposed to change us into the people God intends for us to be, that we become people who live on mission. When anybody meets God as he really is, not a made-up American-style God, but the real God of the Bible, God sends them out. God pushes Abraham out immediately. The word mission, it comes from this Latin word missio, which simply means to be sent. And this is telling us that when we see God as he really is, it has to destroy our American consumer mentality. It has to destroy our self-centeredness. It has to destroy the, well, what's in this for me? Well, if I go out and I I live on mission for you, God, what am I going to get out of it? You've already gotten redemption and salvation and hope God has given to you. And now you are sent to live on mission. Understanding who God is should dismantle all of our self-centeredness and immediately turn us into people who live on mission. Anybody who says, I know Jesus, but aren't living on mission, aren't really living as if they really know Jesus. So this is what happens to Abraham. The first time he meets God, face-to-face in the scriptures, immediately God says, go. There's like no preamble. Abraham's 65 years old. God doesn't go, hey, Abraham, how's the last 65 years treating you? You doing okay? No, God just shows up, Abraham, what? Go! I mean, that, that's just, I think it's funny. You know, imagine, imagine being 65 and God should be like, go! 
oh, get my walker, hold on. You know, I mean, it, I mean, he just he just sends him out and sends him to go. It's like get out of the familiar, get off your butt. No retirement where you think you're prominent or comfortable. You take great risk and you make great moves and you trust God and you go. And you might be thinking, well, well, that's Abraham. Okay, well, that's Abraham. Well, how about this? The first time Moses meets God face to face, the first time God does the same thing to him. I think Moses is a guy, he grows up, you know, in the Hebrew faith. I think he understands who God is. He probably has prayed to God multiple times in his life. But when he comes face to face with God in Exodus 3, when he understands who God really is, immediately on grasping the grandeur and holiness of God, his whole life changes. Not just in words, but in actions. And God says to Moses, when Moses realizes who God is, he says, go. It's the first thing he says. He says, go to Pharaoh. And Moses goes. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Talk about Peter, the one we looked at throughout most, most of the book of Acts. Peter is a disciple of Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus comes up to Peter and some other disciples when they're in a boat. They're out fishing all night. They haven't caught anything. So Jesus says, how'd you do? And Peter says, well, there's nothing out here. We got no bites. It's like a jello convention in an old folks home. It's all gums. No one's biting. You are slow. You guys are slow. And so what Jesus says is, go out just a little bit further, throw your nets on the other side of the boat, and why don't you see what happens? And they're like, this is stupid, but because it's you, Jesus, we'll do it. And so they go and they do it, and they catch this huge catch of fish, so much so that it starts to sink the boat that they're in. What does Peter do? He throws himself at Jesus' feet because for the first time in his life, he has a glimpse of the glory that's veiled under Jesus' humanity. There's this really old movie, I say really old, like from the 80s, right? Yeah. It's called Cocoon. It's by Ron Howard. Anybody ever see Cocoon? Okay. So this, yay! I love the 80s. I watch Stranger Things. That's the 80s. Okay, so Cocoon. And in Cocoon, it's this movie about all these aliens who are wearing like human suits. Not like men in black in the Edgar suit, but like, you know, real people. And, what you, and eventually towards the end of the movie, you see who these aliens really are. They pull back a little bit of the skin, and it's so bright and brilliant, you can't even really look at it. Well, this is kind of what happens to Peter. He gets a glimpse of the glory of who God is behind Jesus' humanity. And Peter goes to his knees, Luke chapter 5, verse 8. This is his response. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. The first time Peter understands who God really is, he recognizes his sin. He doesn't go, oh God, bless me. Oh God, give me all these things I want. Oh God, make my life comfortable. He goes to his knees because he recognizes his sin, he hates it, and he wants it gone. A good question for you is, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever realized who God is and what he is? Maybe at a good Friday service or someplace else and you understand a bit more of who you are and who Jesus is and you become completely undone by his grace and goodness and love and calling you. And what does Jesus say to Peter when Peter does this? He's like, you know what, Peter? I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to stay here with you and I want you to get up off of those knees and I says in verse 10, I am going to make you fishers of men. When he understands who Jesus is, the first thing Jesus does is he sends him on mission. Every single time, this is what happens. And I know you're thinking, well, these are special cases. That's like Moses, and he looks like Charlton Heston, and and that's like Abraham, and he's amazing, and Peter's like a pillar of the early church. I'll give you another example. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. It's in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah is a prophet, and if you don't know, that means he knows God. Okay, (laughs) He knows God, and he has a vision. 
And in this vision, he sees God high and lifted up and exalted, and he is overwhelmed. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5 says, and I said, that's Isaiah, and I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Now, how like our culture is that, right? We, we have unclean lips. We say things we shouldn't. We watch things we shouldn't. We do things we shouldn't. And we live in a culture who is centered around doing things that we shouldn't. And he says, For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He sounds just like Peter. He sees who God is. And then and he feels like says, I'm coming apart because I see who God is. And the, almost the exact next thing that happens is God starts to speak. In my paraphrase, what God says is, I've got a job for somebody. I've got a job for somebody. And I have a group of people over here, and they need someone to go and talk to them about me. I need someone to minister to those people. And they are hard-hearted, and they are stubborn. But I want someone who will go. And whoever goes there is going to be for years and years and years, and no one's going to listen to them. But I want somebody to go. They will probably even laugh at you. They will continually resist you. But I want somebody to go. What does Isaiah do? He gets up, Isaiah 6, verse 8. Then I said, here I am, send me. Immediately upon seeing who God is, what does God do? Call him into mission. Every single time somebody sees God for who he really is, they lose this consumer mentality of me, me, me. And they begin to say, I will risk and I will sacrifice and I will go and I'll do whatever it takes to serve those people that God has called me to serve. And you're probably thinking, I'm not Moses. That's okay. That means you haven't murdered anyone. And you may think, well, I'm not Abraham. That's okay. That means you haven't pimped out your spouse yet. Think, well, I'm not Peter. That's okay. In a fit of rage, that means you haven't chopped off anybody's ear yet. You may think, but I'm just not an epic-making person. It doesn't matter. That same principle is still there. You are sent. In Acts chapter 2, God comes in like thunder and lightning like the spiritual tornado. And you see, he blesses these people and immediately sends them out. This is, God will never bless you except to make you a blessing. That's the principle in the scriptures. God blesses you to make you a blessing. Why does God make Abraham's name great? So he will be a blessing. It's meant to be poured out through him to other people. God never sends you without first blessing you, and God never blesses you except to make you a blessing for somebody else. This is how you know you are dealing with the real God and not some made-up God that people like to espouse in America today. You know you serve and you follow the real God because you understand that you have been sent, that Jesus didn't come and die and rise from the grave to make you comfortable. Jesus came to empower you, to save you, rescue you, redeem you, and then send you out on mission. That's what he came to do. Again, God will never bless you except to make you a blessing to somebody else. John 17, verse 18, Jesus is praying to the Father before the crucifixion, and he says, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Who's the them? Us! Three of you get it. Who's the them? Us. We are the them that has been sent. Five verses before this, Jesus says to the Father, I'm saying these things that they might have my fullness of joy. Jesus has joy. Jesus has joy like nobody else. The scriptures even tell you that Jesus went to the cross because of joy. For the joy set before him because he endured the cross. Nobody has joy like Jesus because nobody lived on mission like Jesus. 
Tim Keller in this podcast, he goes, you can't be a blessing to other people unless you're willing to lose things, unless you're willing to get out. And I know that doesn't make a lot of sense to you, but let me explain what he means. He means as a believer, we have to be prepared to lose certain things in our lives. And sometimes you can't even be a public Christian in your life without making someone mad. I have seen Christian families who raise kids, and the kids all of a sudden follow Jesus, and they get a passion. They're like, we're going to serve and worship. We're going to love Jesus. I'm going to go out and live on mission. And the parents are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? Don't get all crazy. You know, we're just... I know other, other parents who, who will you know, say they're Christians and don't attend corporate worship with anybody else, and their kids start attending church, and, and they're like, why are you doing that? That's so weird. I know other people whose parents just hate God altogether, and they start to follow Jesus, and they're like, why would you do that? I know people have been disowned because of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. But what you have to understand is as soon as you start to identify yourself with Jesus and his mission, Instead of being a private little Christian who just doesn't make any waves, almost, you know, as soon as you begin to live out loud with your lifestyle and your words, you will find it costs you. You'll find it costs you. And if we are not willing to take risks to live and serve others, if we are not willing to risk and open our mouths at times, and yes, sometimes, like Isaiah, people might laugh at you. If we're not willing to open our wallets, and no, this isn't a message about giving, but it kind of could be if you're not willing to start to use your gifts and spend your precious time and let it cut into your weekends sometimes and let it cut into your lifestyle, let it cut into your vacations, you are not only not listening to Jesus' directions, you're not looking at who he is and what he has called you into. Can I be blunt? More than this, right? Here it goes. Strap up. Right. So uh, I, I think when we understand the call to live on mission and we don't do it, It's not just that we're not listening to God. We are not like him at all. Because God came in human flesh to redeem and save us. On mission to save his people. You will never be a blessing to anybody else unless you're willing to lose your self-centered lifestyle. Unless at times you're willing to give up things. To give up your love of how you like how people see you. And instead begin to live in in the lifestyle of how God sees you. See, God says, I'm sending you out to be a blessing. And you may at some point lose everything that you think you want in the world. But God says, I still have you. And I have still blessed you. And I still love you. And I have still redeemed you. And I'm calling you to mission. What does that mean? I think God particularly promises when we're willing to give everything for him and live on mission to put our lives on the line and our time on the line and our money on the line, God says, I'm going to bless you. And there's, there's this thing where Jesus gets baptized in the Jordan River. Uh, John the baptizer is there, and the whole trinity comes down together. And I don't mean this to sound like a formula or anything like that, but I think if you really want more of God in your life, what you do is you begin to live for him in great ways on a mission. That's what we do. It's as simple as that. All the way back in the fourth week of Acts, and I know you have no idea what we talked about then. That's why I keep my notes, so I can tell you what we talked about. And I asked you, how do normal people do extraordinary things? How do normal people live out on mission in extraordinary ways? And I I talked about how in, in our culture we are told, you can do whatever you want. You can grow up and be whatever you want to be. And that is totally not true. It's a lie. It's a lie. The 18-year-old guy that weighs 120 pounds sopping wet is not going to be a running back for the NFL because he will die. That's just what's going to happen. If you've got a kid and their highest, they, their highest height they get is 4 foot 8, inch, 8 inches tall, they will not make the NBA. No matter how much you tell them, it's not going to happen. Your kid who can't hold a tune in the shower and it sounds like a cat screeching is not going to get a recording contract. No matter how much you say, you sound so lovely, son. You sound so great, daughter. 
just be honest and be like, can you sing somewhere else? Because of... <laughs> And I told you how we have all these ad campaigns today that try and convince us otherwise. We have things like Believe. And I talked about how, how Nike did this ad campaign with LeBron James called Believe. And this whole idea of, you know, buy the tickets and the headbands and the shoes and you can be just like LeBron James. And the whole ad was kind of centered around this, just believe. Guys, I will tell you, LeBron James does not think you can be like LeBron James. If you got on a court with LeBron James, he would smoke you every single time. And you would still be wondering, what in the world just happened? Because you are not LeBron James. And I told you, it is one thing to be a spectator. And it's another thing to be inspired. But what happens in Acts is they cease spectating. They take that inspiration and they begin to live on mission. They become empowered to live on mission. Too often in the American church today, what we do is we try and inspire people with messages. And people go, oh, that was great. And we sit back and we spectate. How did I feel about that? Oh, that was wonderful. I feel really good now. That is not why we gather together. That is not why I get up here and try and offend you every single week. That is not why we do what we do. I want you to be inspired. But I want you to be inspired to live on mission with and for Jesus. That's it. That's it. We glorify God by how we live out our understanding of the gospel in our everyday lives. When Jesus says, you will be my witnesses, it's not spectating. It is mission. It's being sent. In Acts, they give up everything. Because they were a people who understand they were called to share the life of God with everyone around them, no matter where they were. We are meant to be God's representatives to the world so the world knows who God is by how we live our lives. And think about this. Does God think these people can do it? Does God think these people can do it? Like, is there a wrong answer? (laughs) Yes, there's a wrong answer. Okay? Yes, God thinks these people can do it. It's why he sends his spirit. It's why he empowers us. It's why he redeems and saves us and why he says, you will be my witnesses. You knucklehead, you're meant to be my witness. And we get to share God's saving life and love with the world. And this amazing thing is what happens in God's people's lives. And this is not protesting. It's not holding signs. It's not angry debate. It's not demeaning other people. It is us in our lives understanding that we lived in bondage to sin and our sin entangled our lives. And I know there are some people who say, oh, well, you know, I lived a really good life. I've never had any, any sin in my life. Oh, I'm so good. Well, great. You're prideful just like Satan. Great. Okay. So Jesus comes and pulls you out of your pride. He pulls out of the sin we are in and he redeems and he saves us and restores relationship with God and others again. And now we get to be part of his blessed children and we get to love by living in his spirit and being his witnesses. We get to do what Jesus did because he has empowered us to do so. We become his hands and feet to the world empowered by him. Witnessing is living every single day of our lives. It is missional. It is intentional. It is not handing out tracts. It is not giving someone a fake $100 bill folded in half instead of a tip at a restaurant. It is, let me witness to you about what I have encountered in my life, what the living God has done in me. And that happens in big and small ways. It happens with you maybe sometimes when you're in a group of people and, you just, and somehow the conversation goes there. I was talking to this guy at AT&T last week because we had to go to a hot spot so that we could actually do some work here. 
And so I was buying this hotspot, and we were talking about stuff, and he volunteers at a hospital, hospital in San Luis Obispo. And I have no idea. I didn't steer the conversation this way. He just started talking about how, like last week, some guy came in with burns over 90% of his body, and he just started talking in the middle. I didn't tell him I was a pastor or anything. I'm like, this is weird if you talk to everybody like this. Like, burns 90% of the body. Want to buy a hotspot? Anyway. So, and so I'm talking to him in the middle of it, and he goes, and I don't know if I want someone to save me or not at that point. And I go, I wouldn't want somebody to save me. I said, I believe there is something better. I believe that there is redemption that God brings. I think that God is good. And, I, and, I, and, it's, and I'm not a weirdo like that, right? I, I don't sit on a plane next to a stranger and be like, so, how long we got on this flight? Ten hours? Let's talk about Jesus. I, I don't do that, okay? <laughs> it's just the conversation went there. And it was just me talking about something I was very excited about, that God has rescued and redeemed me. And, and it just kind of really easily kind of, kind of went there. And, and, I mean, God does, he plants a seed. God makes it grow. I'm just there to be his witness and live as he calls me to. And so are you. You have people in your workplace. You have people in your neighborhoods and people even in your homes that God is calling you to be witnesses to, that you are sent, that you're to take all the blessings that you perceive in your life and you're meant to be able to start to give those things away. You are meant to serve others with the great blessings that you have received. That's what it means to be a people of God. Sent, living, intentional, missional. We are meant to be God's people in this world. This is one of the reasons we come to communion every single week. We break that cracker like Christ's body was broken for you. And you dip it in the wine and the grape juice. It reminds of his blood that was shed for you and me. That he took upon himself all of our sin. Everything that separated us from him and us from others. He took upon himself. And he blesses us with restored relationship. Part of living on mission and in witness is being his hands and feet by restoring relationships with those around us. By living intentionally in each other's lives to show that God has redeemed us in real and true ways. The band's going to come up. As they do, we invite you to take communion. There'll be some deacons in the back. And if you guys need prayer, I would encourage you to pray with them. Maybe you're somebody in your life who's never understood mission and that the blessings in your life are there because you are intended to go out and to bless other people. And if you would like prayer about anything or especially that, they would love to pray with you. They're offering boxes in the sidewall in the back and we give because God gave so much to us. Giving is simply part of that worship. God has blessed us. And again, large and small ways. And we in turn, give to him because he has blessed us so much. There's, there's cookies, and I saw some donuts in the back a little bit ago. Some of them had those rainbow sprinkles on them, which is like a gift from heaven. You know, <laughs> grab some to eat, meet some other people, and start to talk through maybe some of these things. Go deeper in relationship and, and, and talk about you know, the places maybe you have been sent. And you may be afraid to, to be sent to that place, but you know you're sent there. You know, maybe the, the, the ways that God has called you to speak about him or the ways that he has called you to intentionally serve with the blessings in your own life to somebody else. And then maybe you guys can begin to pray about that and begin to maybe take the next steps so that you understand that God has not just blessed you just to leave you as you, but to take and then have you send that back out again, that you are blessed to be a blessing, that we get to be Jesus' ambassadors to the world. Guys, live. If I can sum up Acts in one way, be sent. Be his witnesses. Be intentional about it. Because our God is good and has saved us. And we are sent out to be that, those ambassadors of who he is to the rest of the world. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that you would teach us.
what it means to really live as your hands and feet to the world, that we would understand our blessings that you have first given to us. And that we would then, in turn, give those blessings back away. That we would begin to have the mindset that we wouldn't just pray that you would bless us except to help us to bless other people. God, it is so hard as an American society at times to not grasp and hold on to everything we think that we have and instead start to think that it's something that you have given to us. So today, begin to break our mindsets that seize our own lives as our own. And have us begin to see them as lives that have been redeemed by you. And that we would live in your great hope. That we'd abandon our selfish thoughts and everything that, that we aren't, we would trust you for. Understanding your great grace that has rescued and saved us. Teach us to truly be your people, sent and living on mission with and for you. We ask this in your son's good name. Amen.